Welcome to the Good Life Coach Podcast. Enjoy this rerun episode. Yeah, my one soapbox is sleep. Yeah. I think, again, young mothers particularly, but even, you know, if you are a young mother and then, you know, your kids are finally sleeping, you can kind of get in this rhythm where like you're never actually fully asleep. Um, <laughs> sleep is... I'm laughing because we got a puppy too. And I'm like, I finally have a teenager and now I have a puppy and I never get like a normal night's sleep because he's up all the time. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So sleeping, I mean, is the way that our brain detoxes. It's how we get ready for the next day. And a lot of us are burning the candle at this end. If you're not sleeping well, you're burning it over here too. Sleep is one of the things that I usually always start with. If the client's not sleeping well, they're not going to deal with stress well. They're not going to have good energy. They're not going to make good choices. They're probably going to crave sugar as a fast energy source. Mm -hmm. If we can fix sleep, sometimes a lot of the other things resolve. And it can be as simple as, you know, being mindful of what you're doing before bed. Welcome to the Good Life Coach Podcast. I am your host, Michelle Lamoureux. The intention of this show is to awaken you to your fullest potential. Join me each week for inspiring interviews to elevate an area of your life, as well as interviews with women entrepreneurs who are creating success on their own terms. Each episode provides actionable tips to guide you to design a life you love. Hey there, it's Michelle Lamoureux and welcome back to the Good Life Coach Podcast. So happy you're tuning in today. If you want to start feeling better and learn daily habits for optimal health, then you're going to want to tune in today. Joining us is Julia Hayes, who is a board certified holistic health coach and integrative health practitioner. She's been working in the health and fitness space for 15 years and has a passion for educating clients on their way their bodies may be deficient or toxic and how addressing these imbalances leads to a more empowered and fulfilling life. So even though it's health related, we are aligned, Julia, because this Mm -hmm. is really what this show is about is getting us feeling our best so we can be living that fulfilling life. Welcome to the show. Yes. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. And yeah, I, anytime I get to share my passion for wellness with, you know, specifically women, but anybody, um, it's always a pleasure. So thank you for having me. Yeah. I'm so happy to have you on. And, um, we actually did an Instagram live probably a month ago where you shared ways to boost our immune system while also getting glowing skin, which I will link in the show notes at thegoodlifecoach.com for this interview. So people, you can go watch that. There was such great advice and it was fun for people to tune in live and ask questions. People were very curious and had questions for that. And we also, I also had the pleasure of being on your podcast for the IHP show where you talked to me about self-care and how to trust your intuition. And I'll link the interview where I was actually the guest, but so fun for us to be here today. And um, I know you work with Dr. Stephen Cabral, who is one of my favorite people. He's been on the podcast two times, always delivers so much value. And um, I know that the work that you do is hundred percent aligned with what he teaches and what he does. Um So I know that this is going to be so helpful for everyone listening today. Um, Let's just start off, though, with how you got into fitness and wellness and what types of clients you work with, Julia. Sure. So I um, originally got into um, specifically personal training was my introduction to the fitness and um, wellness community. I actually went to school, um, got a uh, 
degree in criminal justice. So I, a sociology degree, and um, I came out doing something that I absolutely hated. Um, I was doing corporate security. I had done some internships. I just realized that it was going to be very negative, sad, heavy work, really no matter the direction that I went in. Um, and so I realized that I kind of wanted to make a career shift. I had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, I had gained lots of weight in school and then had you know, decided that I wanted to start you know, maximizing how I felt. I started working out. I was eating better. I had met um, Dr. Cabral. And he was kind of like, listen, you have what is really hard for me to teach. I can teach anybody how to, you know, read macros and do exercise, but the innate ability to want to help and serve and change lives is something that can't be taught. And you have that. So he really was the one that encouraged me to go back to school. Um, I got my certification to become a personal trainer. I did IIN, um, then later IHP, a few nutrition certifications in there. And really that was kind of how it all started. Okay. That's so great. And what types of uh, clients do you work with? And like, what are some of the challenges you're helping them with? Yeah. So a majority of the clients that I'm dealing with are people that have exhausted almost all in any conventional medicine um, type of avenues. They're people that have chronic stomach issues, um, acne that doesn't resolve, hormonal issues, fertility and they've gone to doctor after doctor, doctors run blood work, they tell them they're fine, they don't feel fine, and they kind of just persist other avenues. We kind of tend to be a last stop for a lot of clients. There's certainly a pocket of clientele that is you know, passionate about health and wellness, and they're like, oh, I'm curious, I'm going to do these labs, and they're already taking really well care of themselves. Yeah. But a majority of our clients are kind of looking to us as their almost last hope in so many instances. Wow. Wow. Well... I think that women are depleted, you know, here we're going into a new year. The end of the year is always hectic for most. And, you know, we start off with all these goals and are also tired, you know, and I, and I keep thinking of the word depleted. I really, you know, talking to so many women, I, I see that women are depleted and we are so naturally good at giving to everyone else. Mm-hmm. but not so good about giving to ourselves. You know, there might be some things we've got locked down, like maybe somebody can't go a day without getting their exercise. It's just who they are, but maybe they're not really eating well or eating at all. Right. You know, they're doing different things. So I really wanted to talk today about how do we create a good foundation for optimal health? Like what are some of the daily habits that we really should be incorporating to feel in, you know, our best. And I have to say, you know, not everyone's going to be able to see you unless they watch this on YouTube, um, but you for sure walk your talk. You always look radiant. You happen to have an amazing head of hair that none of us are going to have, like very few people probably have. And I know you can't give us the secret for that, but do tell us, you know, where, where do we start? I mean, let's maybe start with nutrition. That seems sure. like a good foundation. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say, I mean, I think so culturally speaking, we're brainwashed to kind of like take away, like, what are we, what do we need? Like, let's, you know, stop doing this, stop doing that. Whereas I think if we think about deficiencies, right, like what do we need more of, especially as women, like how do we fill ourselves up? So, okay, fine. You're like one vice or the thing that you love the most is maybe your glass of wine at night or your cup of coffee that the doctor keeps keeps telling you is, you know, raising your blood pressure, or there's things that we kind of do that make us feel quote unquote good. 
but what can we add instead of taking away things that make us feel less like ourselves? What can we add in that could add a ton of value? And so I'm not like a big New Year's resolution, like stop doing this or extremes because it's so hard to stick to. Um, and we need to find this moderate ground, I think, as women where we feel supported, nourished, and like we have the capacity to kind of like move forward, right? Uh, absolutely. I love that mindset and the idea that, you know, oh, you know, here's a new year. We got to set all these goals. We need to start restricting. Like that's a horrible way to start off your year. So let's talk about what we can add in. Yeah. Yeah. And especially when you've probably ended the year feeling like you're just at the end of your rope and you've given, given, get right. We give, give, give. And then at the end of the year, and then the new year's resolution message is like, take away more. And it's like, (laughs) oh my gosh, what are we left with? So anyways, what can we add in? So if we talk about a nutrition kind of component of it. I always say if there's things that you love, okay, keep them in here and there, but um, you should be kind of consuming vegetables, ideally at two of your, you know, big meals a day, including enough fiber and protein, protein for women. um, And this does not mean that they need to be consuming tons of animal-based protein. That's not for everybody, but protein adequately um, intake is really the name of the game when it comes to blood sugar regulation, when it comes to the body's ability to deal with stress and energy production, protein Mm -hmm. and carbohydrates are really important. And when we go and restrict one or the other, or we do intermittent fasting, I think my biggest recommendation, quite frankly, for women at a nutrition standpoint is don't think less is more. If you have weight to lose, if you feel inflamed, if you feel like your nutrition needs help, I caution you against doing long intermittent fasting. We should all do like an overnight 12 to 14 hours, but these extreme, you know, 16 hour fasting, 20 hour, like shortening your eating window to eight hours or four hours, I mean, uh, 14 hours, it's really a little bit on the extreme side. So we're not, again, we're taking away. What I would suggest doing is starting your morning with adequate amounts of protein, generally about 20 grams or so, and some sort of good carbohydrate. I think lots of women wake up and the first thing they do is drink coffee. They might work out on an empty stomach. If you have kids, your morning is hectic as you know, can be. And so you're asking your body to produce tons of energy without actually putting any, 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 any energy in. And that's a recipe for hormonal disaster. So now we throw hormones off. That's a topic for another day. Um, and, and now we're left with complete and total dysregulation you chase your blood sugar all day long. It makes your moods worse. So protein stabilization, first thing in the morning with good carbohydrates. I do like to start my morning with a smoothie. It's not for everyone. I think depending on where you live, you know, doing something cold in the morning can seem appealing versus not. Yeah. Um, I do find that kind of having it pre-digested, not putting my body in a huge um, digestive-based demand first thing is really helpful for me. You can also, um, you know, do oatmeal with some hemp seeds, or maybe you like eggs, but doing some sort of good protein with carbohydrate in the morning sets the stage for stable blood sugar um, and your body's ability to kind of withstand energy production the rest of the day. Okay. This is great. And I really want to break down just go a little bit deeper with some of the things that you said. So when you talk about uh, protein and carbohydrates, I think oftentimes when we think carbs, we're thinking, bread. <laughs> yes. But you're not talking bread. I'm not you're talking, talking bread. No, you're talking oatmeal. So just be specific. And look, when you're yeah. saying eggs, I think here's the thing. Women are busy. They know they need to be, you know, taking care of themselves. 
And like you said, they might be grabbing the coffee and running out the door and maybe taking a bite out of something. I know for myself, I went and got certified as a holistic health coach through IIN, the nutrition program you mentioned, um, as one of the ones you did in addition to IHP. And um, I know better, but if I'm running up the door and I know I need food because my blood sugar will plummet, I'll grab a bagel and cream cheese. And I know A, dairy doesn't do well in my body. And bagels are not the ideal way to start the day, but if it's in the house, I'll do it even knowing better. So mm-hmm. I know there's other women. So I'm going to use myself as an example. So, so how, like, what's the shift that we could do there? Because yeah, carbs do fill us up. Like I'm good to go now, like until one, because I had that bagel, you know what I mean? Like it will fill me up even if it wasn't the healthiest choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if we're talking about what carbohydrates am I suggesting? Yes. Um, cert- fruit in a smoothie. That could be, you know, one or fruit on the uh, side, okay. um, but also oatmeal. Um, I, I'd have a lot of clients that love starting their day with like a warm sweet potato and they put hemp hearts on it. Um, so those c- good carbohydrates are basically yes. anything that's not processed. So we're talking about grains. Yeah. Yes. So the oatmeal is the grain, not the carbohydrate. Well, the no, it's the both. grains are carbohydrates. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Basically both. Okay. Yep. But so, then adding some fruit. So when I am, when I do have time, I will have my steel cut oatmeal mm-hmm. with some blueberries. I'll add in about a half a banana and sprinkle some cinnamon and then maybe a scoop of uh, cashew butter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's for, for some people that's fine. For others, that could create too much of a glucose spike because there's not really much protein there. And then they're kind of left feeling this insatiable hunger all day. What did it, the banana? (laughs) No, it could just be that you didn't have enough protein. Um, Yeah. So I would say like, that's all great. Maybe you add a scoop of like your favorite protein powder to that and mix it in. Or for some of my clients, they just like to have the, the protein on the side. For me, I do 20 to 30 grams of protein in my smoothie. Um, I love passion fruit, cherry, and sometimes I use a nut milk. Sometimes I just use water, but that's my kind of carbohydrate protein. Yours is uh, a smoothie then. You're not yes. doing the oatmeal, which is faster. I, I know which smoothie you yeah. use because I, I use it as well. I have it as well. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And and for some people, the the oats are, you know, just a familiar, easy, warm, right? Some people just like something warm in the morning. Um, yeah. And so listening to your body in that sense for for you, if you were my client, I would say, have your oatmeal. And then maybe an hour later, you could just have your two scoops of, you know, protein powder with just a little bit of water or nut milk. And then you're kind of good until lunch four hours later so that you start with something warm. Okay. So that's getting, and you also talked about fiber, which these, the oatmeal absolutely has. Does the smoothie Mm -hmm. have fiber or no? So you would be getting the fiber from the fruit Um, typically, yeah, the fiber, and if it's a good carbohydrate, it's going to kind of have fiber along with it. I typically don't suggest like specific, like gram breakdowns. I think that can be really overwhelming for people, Mm -hmm. especially who aren't used to reading labels. They're maybe eating on the go. They're like, what the heck is this? Um, and I kind of give them more of like this visual where your, your fiber is your fruit in your smoothie or your fiber is your oatmeal. And if you're doing a portion, it's quote unquote enough, right? For your body. If you're satiated, it's enough. Okay. Um, lunch and dinner, I typically like there should be vegetables there. And if you're eating vegetables at lunch and dinner, you're getting fiber. Mm. Um, and if you're eating a protein source, you're getting protein and not overcomplicating it to a point where people feel like they now have this new job to like count their macros and their protein. And is it enough? And shoot, did I miss it up? Or 
and making it a little bit more easy to digest. Cause I feel like so many people don't talk that language. It can be overwhelming. Yeah. I'm, I love the way that you're approaching this. I think that's exactly what we want. What are the daily habits that are making it easy? So you've given us the, the breakfast, the lunch and dinner. We definitely want lots of veggies. Uh, what do you like for protein sources? Give us an example of what a lunch or dinner might look like for you. Yeah. So I do love um, sardines. If, if you follow me on Instagram, you know, why they're so easy. I mean, they're not for everybody. Not everybody like likes the taste of sardines, but that is typically what I do for lunch. And also I don't take an omega-3 supplement and my levels are great because I have the sardines five times a week or so. Mm. Um, and they just, they come out of the can there. It's 20, I think two grams of protein, um, high in omegas, low in heavy metals. Um, I'll either mix it with a little bit of like broccoli and red sauce, or I'll toss it into like an Amy's organic lentil soup. So lunches for me have to be quick and they have to be kind of, I, I do like a warm lunch. So mm -hmm. I'm somebody that a salad I can do in the, in the summer months, but for mm -hmm. lunch, I do like something warm, me especially too. in the winter. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So dinner. So yeah, yeah. And then dinner is typically um, some sort of a uh, vegetable, some sort of an animal protein. I do typically do animal protein um, at dinner. My husband and my son are animal protein eaters. My daughter, for whatever reason, could not, can't be bothered. So I'll make her like black beans or something. Yes. Um, and then I always do some sort of a complex carbohydrate. So um, like a sweet potato or rice or just because of the kids too. Um, I think a lot of people think like, oh, low carb is better, but not when you have kids growing brains. Um, so yeah, I always have a grain or like a root vegetable. Right. And lots and lots of veg. Yes. Yeah. I typically do between like for dinner, my vegetable and my root vegetable or complex That's carbohydrate. That's your half your plate yeah. right there, right? Right. And then right. the, yeah, the proteins, the rest. Is it, or is it, was it two thirds the other? You'd tell me, I don't know. Yeah. So usually, so the, I would say it's probably, so I would say that's probably two thirds because my good fat is going to be on my vegetable and my root vegetable. So that's probably two thirds. And then like the proteins, the, the, the other third. Yeah. That's what yeah. I was picturing the plate. I was imagining that and good fats, just give us an example of a couple of good, healthy fats. Cause we should be having those people yeah. think they should be avoiding carbs and fat. That's bad advice, right? If it's healthy yeah. fats, we, we all need that for our brains and our body. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Hormones, all of that, but, um, fats that I love. So if you're going to use an oil to cook and you're going to heat the oil, um, avocado, coconut oil, or like a ghee or grass fed butter are best. Those all have high smoke points. Yes. Um, I love olive oil, but should be used, um, raw. So mm, some of my tricks, I, I do a lot of organic frozen vegetables. They're easy. I can take half a bag of organic <laughs> broccoli, yeah. throw it in a pan, heat yeah. it up with some water, drain the water. And then once it's soft and defrosted, then I just add my olive oil my, and I'm lucky. My family is pretty, they're pretty good. Like little garlic salt and regular salt and everybody's happy. <laughs> yeah. I do it that way too. I'm, I yeah. keep it pretty simple, but I keep it healthy. So I, I actually love that. I, it was funny. You mentioned intermittent fasting because I was going to ask whether we should be incorporating some. And so let's revisit what you said about the 12 to 14 hours versus the longer. And it's also interesting because so many of these diet plans or, you know, how to, yeah, it is usually around weight loss. They tell you to eat mm -hmm. within like an eight hour window. Tell us about why that's not ideal for women and, and how to do the intermittent fasting. Cause I know I talked about this with Dr. Cabral as well. And I think it's important for women to know how they can do it safely. Yes. Yeah. A lot of men can benefit from like men that are overweight and they're big, you know, 
the body constitution strong can do that whole 16, eight hour thing. I find for most women, it is too much, especially if there's kids involved or stress is high. Um, I could talk about this for hours, but usually my general spiel is our, as female systems, we were never meant to endure the amount of stress that our bodies have presently in our modern day society to like kind of quote unquote, do it all. We can have it all and do it all. It doesn't mean that our actual hormonal based systems were designed to do that Mm -hmm. for better or worse. It was, we were designed to kind of eat, maybe be a little bit on the fuller side and have babies. That was like our design in that is not what I'm saying. We should be. Yeah. I understand. When our body is depleted, okay, from either nutrients or vitamins, and then we're pushing it into a long fasting window, it's one added stress. And so if you're getting up and your morning is stressful and you can't control, like I can't get rid of kids, I can't, there's a lot of things we can't And you don't want to. (laughs) No, no, no. I meant more for my clients. If they're like, how do I lower my stress? I can't get rid of the kids. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't get rid of mine either. But yes, (laughs) it's one of those things where there's so many stressors we can't control. So my recommendation, that's always to limit the ones you can. And what you're putting in your body for fuel is a huge stressor if you're not doing it. And it can be a huge, you know, anti-stress based approach if you are doing it properly. So the whole 16 hour fast, I typically suggest going 12 to 14 hours. That is usually the sweet spot for women. 16 to eight is what's kind of being promoted out there for weight loss. Um, And I also suggest having a majority of those like non-eating hours be at the end of your day when stress tends to be a little bit lower and you're not like waking up in kind of fight or flight, ready to, you know, fight the fire, so to speak. So you stop eating it six o'clock. Like that's your last meal. I actually, I don't eat past five 30. I eat at five wow. o'clock with my kids. Um, and then I have my smoothie at like seven 30. I mean, that's still a 14 hour fast, Yeah, um, but I sleep so much better. I feel so much better when I give myself that time at night versus if I go longer. So say I were to eat dinner at eight, right. For me to get a 14 hour fast. Now I'm not going to eat breakfast till 10. Well, by 10 o'clock, forget it. My blood sugar has crashed. I'm irritable. I've already met with maybe a client or two. My kids have drove me nuts. It's too long. When when you're doing so much, evening time tends to be a little bit quieter. That's when I prefer to do the bulk of my, what I call awake fasting time. Right. Okay. But it could be 12 hours. So somebody could go could be eight to eight or seven to seven. Absolutely. Might work, right? And then break yes. that fast. And you're doing it with the smoothie, which has the protein and vitamins in it. So, and then you're adding some fruit, which is giving you some fiber and just the nutrient, the nutritional benefits of the fruits themselves. But also it's gentle on the digestive system too. Is that by design for you? Is that why you tend to go that route? Yes. Yeah. You're keeping yourself in a digested fast because you're not putting a whole lot of food that needs to be broken down um, yeah. in your system. So yeah, and it's quite frankly, it's the fastest for me. I can like sip it as I'm doing other things. Um, I do love a bowl of oatmeal and I have that sometimes, or like I'll make an omelet and make a gluten-free omelet sandwich, like over the weekends, those things I definitely do. But when it comes to like my normal routine, the smoothie just tends to set me up the best for the day. I feel yeah. better when I do it. Yeah. And if you can go to bed or having had dinner, you know, you haven't fin- you finished eating by 5.30 and you're satiated, then that's why these balanced meals work. Because I think, you know, a lot of us get a little snacky or <laughs> crave something sweet. Right? Yes. 
But I will tell you that whenever I don't have good amounts of protein in the morning or I wait too long, that's when I have a really hard time stopping at 5.30. Because what happens is, is your body will remember the dysregulation that happened at the beginning of the day. It will try to make up for it in the later part of the day. It'll go, oh, She's going to do that thing where she doesn't eat until 10 a.m., but we need energy. So we'll we'll call for more sugar tonight so we have a backup energy source tomorrow. Oh, that's why. And that's so why the, we're craving it. Yes. I mean, our bodies typically, for whether the symptoms are welcomed or not, we typically get symptoms for a reason. And I always encourage my clients to listen to them. Should you be eating like the chocolate that you want at 9 p.m.? Necessarily, no, but that's that's a data point. And we figure out, well, why is that happening? And what can we do to troubleshoot the urge rather than just be like, don't listen to it, just stop eating the chocolate? That that's hard for some yeah. people to do. Yeah. And so then somebody trouble- might binge it because then they restrict yeah. and then they eat the whole bar instead of maybe a little piece that would have satiated them. Right. Exactly. Yep. Instead of normalizing likely the behaviors and the process that's happened before that. Right. Course correcting that. Yeah. Right. Because they could just course correct, maybe have that piece of chocolate and then course correct the next day. Absolutely. Yeah. I love this. This is so, so good. Now you talked about nutritional deficiencies. Um, How do we know if we have them? Is it only by testing or are there other clues that we can pay attention to? Yeah. I'm, I'm, a trained quantitative person. So testing is always super helpful, but I would say there's lots of other ways. Again, if you're in tune to your body that you can kind of, you know, notice, I I don't, I've never met, I will say never met somebody that can't benefit from a simple multivitamin. We just do not get the nutrient density in our foods that we used to, the way it's grown, all of that. Um, And so I think just being on a general multivitamin for most people um, and that protein powder that you and I like is a multivitamin. Yeah. And I can link it too. I'll link it in case people want to check it out. Yeah. Um, But again, most people can benefit from a multivitamin. If we were to kind of talk about symptoms, um, usually what what people are lacking in a deficiency sense are things like B vitamins. So are you tired? Are you irritable? Do you have hormonal dysregulation? Um, Magnesium is another huge one. So does it feel like stress is hard to manage? Do you get headaches? Are you constipated? There's lots of kind of signs that tip us to what we may be lacking. Um, You know, again, hard dealing with stress, having stress be something that's really hard to cope with usually means that you're lacking in some sort of like the stress management um, vitamins, which is B vitamins, um, magnesium, even vitamin C is incredibly supportive for our adrenals. So our adrenals being that little gland that sit on top of the kidney, they regulate cortisol and adrenaline output. They are highly um, influenced by, by vitamin C and it's very supportive, not only for our immune function, but for our stress response. And one thing that I usually add in the beginning of the podcast that I didn't do today is just to say that this interview is for informational purposes only and is not intended to replace your relationship with your doctor or trusted healthcare provider. So anything you're doing in regard to your health should be discussed with them. But yes, and I do not treat, cure or prevent disease. I am just, yes, I am an educator and and a support system. Yep. There we go. So this is for informational, but I just needed to throw that in there. Um, Okay. So yeah, let's talk movement. Yes. So we're human beings. We were designed to move. 
modern day society has impaired that in almost everybody's life. Um, I personally noticed a huge, I was personal training still before COVID. Um, I had a small group of people that I was still training and couldn't let go of. And I, so I was standing on my feet for like three to four hours in the morning, early morning. And I noticed a huge difference in how my body felt when I stopped doing that, when Mm. COVID hit and I stopped doing that, um, I was just moving far less, simply just be standing and not even, and, and forget it. Even if I wasn't moving and exercising, I was at least standing. And so my blood flow was different than sitting, which I was doing a lot more of. I actually started training clients virtually and I was sitting in front of the computer doing Interesting. it. Yeah. So um, we were designed to move our joints, like everything essentially gets developed just by using it. Nobody's going to get stronger sitting in a chair for eight hours a day. Most people's glutes are far underdeveloped. So what does movement do? Movement increases blood flow. So it increases the oxygenation um, of our blood. It um, certainly increases endorphins and, you know, things like oxytocin, dopamine, all of that, you know, good feeling neurotransmitter stuff. Um, it helps your lymphatic system drain, you know, if even just rebounding, even just, I bought my kids a trampoline and I use it too. Like just jumping on a trampoline is enough to help lymphatic drainage. So removing toxins from the body. Um, and, and sometimes just going for a walk is, you know, you're getting sunshine. You're, if you're outside, you're getting natural sunlight, you're walking, that can be enough. You don't need to commit to a huge workout plan. Yeah. Walking every single morning committing to, you know, that or five times a week, it is a huge way to improve your well-being. Okay. And what about weight training though, for women, especially? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Weight training is um, incredibly important, especially I would say over the age of 30, you know, as women after 30, we continue to age, our hormones start to lower things like DHEA um, and weight training is a way for us to kind of keep our hormones, you know, at a stable level. Also, our muscles are kind of what hold up our skeletal system. And so it helps strengthen your bones. It helps make sure that like you're not more susceptible to injury because of of weaknesses and imbalances. So yeah, incredibly important. And I think there's a mental aspect to it too, right? You weight train, you feel strong, you feel empowered, you feel, yeah, like you've accomplished something and it can be a really helpful mindset shift, I think too. Yeah. Can people watch videos or what's the best way to approach that if they're like at home, you know, with COVID and stuff and not going to a gym right now? Yeah. I mean, I think there's definitely a lot of, um, you know, helpful videos out there. There's also some like programs. um, I'm not sure if you know, um, Kate, I'm blanking on her last name, but she's, um, her Instagram handles, Kate's clean life. She does like a new you program, but she's very, um, you know, female focused and she does good approachable exercise. I would, you know, caution against doing too much too fast without guidance because, you know, then you could get injured. But yeah, there's, I think lots of, um, there's a few apps now too, that I think kind of walk you through stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. So if you can't find that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, we've covered a lot, anything, you know, essential for optimal health that people need to be thinking about on a daily basis that we didn't cover. Yeah. My one soapbox is sleep. Um, and I think again, you know, young mothers particularly, but even, you know, if you are a young mother and then, you know, your kids are finally sleeping, you can kind of get in this rhythm where like, you're never actually fully asleep. Um, sleep is. <laughs> I'm laughing because of- we got a puppy too. And I'm like, 
I finally have a teenager and now I have a puppy and I never get like a normal night's sleep because he's up all the time. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So sleeping, I mean, is the way that our brain detoxes. It's how we get ready for the next day. And a lot of us are burning the end at this can, um, you know, the, the candle at this end. If you're not sleeping well, you're burning it over here too. And sleep is one of the things that I usually always start with. If a client's not sleeping well, they're not going to deal with stress well. They're not going to have good energy. They're not going to make good choices. They're probably going to crave sugar as a fast energy source. Mm -hmm. If we can fix sleep, sometimes a lot of the other things resolve. Um, And it can be as simple as, you know, being mindful of what you're doing before bed. I mean, I have an aura ring, which tracks sleep. And my husband and I didn't have a a bad, you know, it wasn't like a fight or anything, but it was an emotionally charged conversation. We were talking about where we wanted to live and it was emotionally charged. My numbers were horrible. I, it, I just worked me up. It was too close to bedtime. I'm very careful about what information I consume in the conversations I have late at night because it does interrupt my sleep. Interesting. What numbers were thrown off? I have the Aura Ring too, which tracks uh, yeah. your temperature, your REM, your deep. It's really, it's very cool. Um, what yes. was thrown off your heart rate variability? No, my, my resting, resting heart, rate heart rate would not, it did not go down. I mean, it, I don't think it went down to like 1231 AM. And usually, I mean, I'm asleep and good by like 10, 10, 10, 15. So um, it was my heart rate that wouldn't go down. And then I didn't get as much deep sleep as I usually get. Interesting, right? You got yeah. your score and you thought, yeah, let's not, let's have these conversations in the morning. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not like right we before can bed. brunch maybe. <laughs> right, right, right. In the middle of the day. I love that. Okay. So just, you know, get a set bedtime, 10, 10. I know for me, 1030 is the perfect time. I've been going to bed closer to 1130, 12, which is not ideal for me. And I know Mm -hmm. it, but it's just, again, the dog and other things. Um, So, but ideally we're getting eight hours. Yeah. Some people do okay with more like seven, um, but I would, no, yeah, I, I no. do better with eight too. Mm-hmm. The the thing is, is we get a majority of our good deep sleep. And if you have an aura ring, I don't, I never get deep sleep a minute past 1.30, a.m. Never. Oh, I should look at mine. Yes. Most people don't. The majority of your deep sleep happens in the first like three hours, but it happens more optimally between like 10.30 and 1.30. So for people that go to bed at midnight, you're missing out oh. on half of it. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to pay attention to that. I'll link for the Aura Ring too. I, I find it yeah. a really interesting tool to have. Um, Julia, I love connecting with you. I think everything you shared today is doable. You've given us so much to think about, but easy easy to incorporate, which I appreciate. Um, where can people learn more about you if they're curious and want to connect with you? Where do we find you? Yeah, so I'm um, primarily on Instagram uh, at Julia Hayes Wellness. I don't, I'm not on Facebook. It's just a yeah platform I don't use, but yeah, I'm on um, Instagram at Julia Hayes wellness. Um, again, I do work for equal life. So, um, but you can feel free to contact me on Instagram and I can send you in any direction that you need. Yeah. And I can link the equal life. Cause that's where the, the nutritional support shake is right with the protein yes. powder. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll for sure do that. Um, and yes, Julia does the funniest reels. I never enjoy watching people's reels, but yours, I always watch. I think they're hilarious. Um, so, uh, I will for sure link that. Um, thank you for being here today. I love seeing you and being with you. So I appreciate your time. Yes. My pleasure. Thanks for the opportunity. Thank you, Michelle. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I hope you gained some new information or inspiration 
for your life. That is that the essence of this show is to really wake up to what's possible for you to reclaim your beautiful voice and to really learn to love and prioritize yourself. So if you gained any value from any of the conversations you've tuned into, make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast player. You can do that right now on your phone. And please do consider leaving a rating and review if you have yet to do so on Apple Podcasts. It's actually how more women can find the show. And I really want to grow a community of women who are loving themselves and living full on. So thank you as always for tuning in. And I look forward to reconnecting with you next Wednesday. Bye for now.